Hey guys, it's Michael Miller, Upper in Dallas. Thank you for tuning in to this week's installment. I am launching a brand new series on the topic of forgiveness. Now, before you check out and think I know about forgiveness, um, I am realizing this is a subject the Lord keeps reintroducing to me because of its importance in my life personally and also in the hearts of his people. Uh, it's how we get into the kingdom, but then once we're in it, it's the oxygen that sustains us. It is a command from the Lord that we forgive. And I look this weekend at the results of unforgiveness and specifically the impact that bitterness has upon our heart. I'll give you signs that you're bitter, how to get healed of it, and um, to walk in the freedom that he purchased. Uh, we got great feedback from this message and just it confronts so much of the pain from our past. And so uh, let's give our wholehearted response to the Lord and worship him without bitterness. Enjoy. And we're talking about forgiveness. And for me in that moment, I was just confronted with the supernatural nature of forgiveness. Forgiveness is not natural. It's not natural to any of us. And until the teachings of Jesus, forgiveness was not a central virtue. Uh, the Greek philosophers' writings before Jesus' time, forgiveness was not a topic. It was not a popular topic. It was not um, something people even considered. But Jesus Christ, he introduced this topic. And it's one that we have to face because it's central to our faith. Like when you came into the kingdom, you came into the kingdom because God offered you forgiveness. And what I'm realizing is that forgiveness isn't just the, the, the front door to the kingdom, it's actually the oxygen that sustains you. Because forgiveness isn't just a one-time transaction. Forgiveness is something that we have to practice regularly. It's something we have to regularly receive from him. And it's something we have to regularly give to others. Because life hurts and people hurt people. And so I had this phrase during worship today that I want to just present to you because I am going to poke some bears that are living in hearts. And those bears are asleep. Those relationships you may have been able to justify and compartmentalize, but I wanna go after some sleeping giants in our hearts. And I had this phrase, this is the phrase, why not now and why not today? Why not now and why not today? And I'm believing that maybe generations of unforgiveness, things that you've inherited from your forefathers that the Lord is gonna take care of and we're gonna break generational curses of unforgiveness and bitterness. I'm also believing that some of you are so familiar with the pain of your past and you think it's just normal to live the way that you've been living. And I feel like the Lord isn't gonna knock on the door of your heart. And my belief is that you're gonna open it up and you're gonna say, Lord, come on in. I want to live free. But sometimes the familiarity with that pain, there's a payoff for you. 
There's a payoff for you holding on to what you're holding on to because of the wrong that that person did. But you are the one that's suffering. And biblically, biblically, you are commanded to forgive. Forgiveness for the believer in Jesus Christ is not an option. It's not an option. It's not something we try to do. It's something we're commanded to do. Because to the degree that you've been forgiven is to the degree that you can forgive. And you not being able to forgive is actually diagnostic towards your spiritual life. And so I want to tenderly, I want to lovingly and gently walk through the topic of forgiveness. And my hope on the other side of this is that there's hearts listening to me today that will be liberated. There's a lot of hats that I wear as a communicator in this house. Sometimes it's apostolically in the movement and just keeping the main thing, the main thing. But over the next month, I am coming as Pastor Michael. And I'm coming to pastor and shepherd this flock through places in your heart that need wholeness. Listen, when the Holy Spirit was sent as the helper, he wasn't sent as the helper first and foremost to manifest the external kingdom. We talk a lot about that. The Holy Spirit as a helper, when he comes in to your heart, it is to manifest the internal kingdom. He wants you whole internally. Before you do anything externally, he wants you whole internally because to the degree that you've received internally is to the degree that you can give externally. But many of us, because of the wounds internally, we're attempting to do a lot externally, but it's wonky and it's slightly off. And so this topic is not, it's a topic that I had to sit my four-year-old and five-year-old down in my office yesterday in two separate chairs because my four-year-old punched my five-year-old and then my five-year-old kicked my four-year-old in the place that a four-year-old boy doesn't need to be kicked. And so we set them down and we walked through what happened. And I said, James, look at Truman. What do you need to say? Truman, will you forgive me? I forgive you. Truman, what do you need to say to James? James, will you forgive me? I forgive you. Hug. (laughs) (laughs) Now, oftentimes, we look at forgiveness as my four-year-old and five-year-old did yesterday, and it's just a I forgive you, I forgive you. There was no true heart exchange as much as a four-year-old and five-year-old can, but I'm trying to teach them a principle that pain has consequences. And for them not to deal with the pain of that moment, if they carry it onward into the day, it will affect their relationship as brothers. Now, the older we get, the more pain we accumulate, and the more pain we accumulate, the more dysfunctional our relationships become. <clears throat> so let's talk about forgiveness. Tim Keller, the great late Tim Keller, um, I love Tim Keller. His uh, writings and teachings have impacted me profoundly. His last work in 2022, his last writing work was a book called Forgiveness. 
Um, and in this book, he talked about, uh, he coined a phrase that I wanna, I wanna use. It's called the fading of forgiveness, the fading of forgiveness. And um, he uses the fading of forgiveness. It's, it's taking place culturally because culturally we're getting away from scriptures. We're getting away from the authority of scripture. We're getting away from our Judeo-Christian values and at the core of them is forgiveness. And he's talking about the fading of forgiveness. And you see this happening culturally. Here's the quote. Um, <clears throat> it says, the further down the existing social ladder one is, and, and he's explaining, let me, let me set this quote up. He's explaining the new shame and honor culture. And a victim is granted status currently in our culture. He says, the further down the existing social ladder one is, the greater honor is possible. This culture values fragility and outrage and thereby disincentivizes forgiveness. After all, if unresolved differences provide a platform for being outraged, forgiving offenses forfeits status. Forgiveness is now, forgiveness is seen now as radically unjust and impractical, Keller writes. As short circulating the ability of victims to gain honor and virtue as others rise to defend them. And so this culture is littered with enormous numbers of broken and now irreparable relationships. I think that this topic is so central to what is taking place culturally. Um, I want you to know that forgiveness is distinct to Christianity and it is central to Christianity. The discoverer of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs historically is Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The discoverer of the role of forgiveness in the realm of human affairs is Jesus Christ. His teachings centered upon this. You may say love was the greatest virtue that Jesus talked about, but I think the highest form of that expression is forgiveness. The Beatitudes talked about it. Jesus did not mince words in Matthew 5, 43, when he said, you have heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and to pray for those who persecute you. The Lord's prayer ends with this topic. Matthew 6, 14, he says, for if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other people, then your father will not forgive your offenses. To the degree that you forgive is to the degree that you are forgiven. It's very clear there. Uh, Paul reiterates Jesus. In Ephesians chapter four, verse 32, he says this, be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And then Colossians 3.13, this is probably the clearest exhortation and command to forgive. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness is so crucial, so central. And so I wanna, I wanna talk about, um, I wanna look at the end from the beginning as we're talking about forgiveness. Uh, forgiveness. Uh, next week, I'm going to give you some very practical uh, keys in forgiveness. I'm going to talk about what forgiveness is and what it's not. I'm going to talk about uh, situations that are very sensitive in this room. Maybe you've been in a situation where you've been victimized or abused. We're going to talk through some of that and just how you handle 
uh, forgiveness because there's some pretty horrific things that most likely have happened to people in this room or people watching online. So we're gonna get in the nitty gritties of that. But this weekend, I wanted to start uh, with the... um, where unforgiveness leads us. And, uh, and where unforgiveness leads you is to something that is poisonous to your heart. And the topic this morning in unforgiveness is the root of bitterness. And so Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 15 um, is a text. I want you to put, if you have your Bibles, open up to Hebrews chapter 12. We're gonna look at this scripture uh, in-depthly. And then we're gonna go to Numbers chapter 15. And then we're gonna get delivered. Hebrews chapter 12, 14, 15, pursue peace with all people and the holiness with which no one will see the Lord. So this is about pursuing peace with all people. And it's also about pursuing holiness. So in your pursuit of peace with men and holiness with the Lord and in seeing the Lord rightly, he says this in verse 15, see to it. Now that phrase for see to it, it's only used one other time and it's in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse two, when he's instructing elders to oversee a flock. So he's saying, see to it. He's saying, as the overseer of your heart, see to it. Now, Paul has just explained the gospel. He's just unpacked the sacrificial offering of Christ, who is our great high priest. And these are exhortations at the end of the letter. And he's speaking to people who have had their properties confiscated, people who have had uh, relatives imprisoned. Some had been martyred. The church at Hebrews was greatly persecuted. And he says this, see to it, that no one comes short of the grace of God. No one comes short of the grace of God. Now that phrase is really important, coming up short of the grace of God, because he's gonna tell you what the grace of God provides for you. And the grace of God provides for you uh, the ability to be freed from bitterness. Because he says, see to it that no one comes short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness, no root of bitterness springs up causing trouble. For by it, many have become defiled. So this talks about the root of bitterness. The root of bitterness. What is bitterness? Uh, bitterness is defined as anger and disappointment at being treated unfairly. The anger and disappointed at being treated unfairly. It's synonymous with the word resentment, and it's a byproduct from pain. Um, this, this phrase in the Greek, bitterness, could be translated as poison. So it says, be sure that no root of poison springs up. So bitterness is poison to the soul. It's the same word for poison. And poison literally means this. It's anything harmful to our happiness or our well-being. So be sure that your heart is not poisoned by bitterness. And bitterness is actually, uh, it, is, it, is, it is rooted because of anger. Now, again, anger, we're going to talk about anger today a little bit. Um, Anger is a natural response to being wronged. If you've been wronged or you see someone that's been wronged, anger, anger is a natural response. Anger is just like when you hear a joke, you laugh. Laughing is not wrong. Anger is not wrong. But what you do with your anger is really important. 
Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. He says, be angry. He says, don't let that, the sun go down on your anger because age, aged anger turns into bitterness. Ang- I've said this many times. Anger ages like milk to the soul. And the root of bitterness comes from undealt anger. Where did the anger come from? Pain. Pain from what they did or pain from a circumstance that you went through. <clears throat> now, it says that unchecked, undealt with anger that produces this root of poison or bitterness, it springs up causing trouble. Uh, interesting word here for trouble. Um, because it's only used one other time, and it's in Luke chapter 6, verse 18. This specific word for troubles only used one other time. And look at the context of Luke chapter 6, verse 18. This is about Jesus' ministry. Jesus, uh, uh, those who had come to hear Jesus, and they were to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled, there's our word, same word in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. And those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. So the demonic trouble, trouble that a demon would bring to a soul, this is what bitterness brings to you. And I believe this about the trouble that bitterness brings. I believe that there's demonic influence around and near anyone that is bitter. It's mental turmoil. It creates obsessive, compulsive Feelings about that situation. It produces anxiety. It produces fear. It becomes all-consuming. And Paul says that in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, because he says this root of bitterness that springs up that causes trouble, it also defiles those around the person with it. So not only does it go to the core of the person, but it defiles anyone that person gets around. That's why the Proverbs say that Uh, Bitterness rots the bones, meaning it may start on the surface, but it goes to the core of a person. That's why we get the phrase, man, that person's just eaten up with what? Bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15, and by it, many become defiled. That word for defiled is polluted. Uh, Bitterness will defile and pollute anyone that is near them. I'm old enough to remember my first plane flight. And my first plane flight was, I think, in the mid-1980s, early 1980s. I think it was early 1980s. We went to Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And we had a seat in the back. And in the late 80s, if you had a seat in the back, guess what section you were right next to? The smoking section. (laughs) Can you imagine today if someone whipped out a cigarette and started smoking? Like, it's unfathomable to think about smoking in that little circular tube. But I remember for the first time sitting right in front of the smoking section. I remember this. I still remember it. This overweight dude just chain smoking the entire three-hour flight. (laughs) Jesus is right. That would have been like five this is what a, a embittered person does to anyone around them. What is killing them is gonna kill everyone else around them. What I'm inhaling, you're gonna inhale too. What has hurt me is going to hurt you. 
This is what Paul is saying, that an embittered heart, it pollutes any and everyone around them. Signs you're bitter. If I mention their name this morning, you slightly manifest internally. If they walk into this room, you avoid them. If you see their face on your social media, that voice of accusation shows up. That narrative that you've played in your head over and over and over about them, all of a sudden, it starts. And although you scroll ahead, you keep thinking about that person. You wonder how in the world could God bless that person? And yet, the answer is forgiveness. Not for their sake, but for yours. Forgiveness. So, how does God deal with bitterness? I want to take you through a narrative you're probably familiar with, but I, I, it just, it's got fresh color and fresh life for me. It's in Numbers chapter 15. So if your Bible is Numbers 15, we're going to walk line by line through a text. You guys with me? Actually, it's, did I say Exodus 15 or Numbers? Exodus 15. Numbers 15 is awesome too, but this morning we're going to be in Exodus 15. And... Um, and uh, this, is, this is a unique chapter in the Bible um, because in, you may notice from the title of the book, Exodus, it's about the Israelites exiting Egypt. And in Exodus chapter 15, um, it begins with Moses singing a song. And Moses is singing a song because in Exodus chapter 14, they were delivered from the Egyptians who were pursuing them. And you remember the story of the Red Sea. The Red Sea parts, the Israelites cross, the Red Sea crashes on their enemies, completely destroys them, their past has been removed. Moses breaks out into song. It's such a significant song that in Revelation chapter 15, verse three, it says in heaven, they're still singing Moses' song. Moses breaks into the song. He goes, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. The horse and his riders have been hurled into the sea. And heaven was like, whoa. Whoa. We gotta sing that up here. Like, it was a moment. Not just on earth, but in heaven. And the Israelites are singing with Moses. In fact, Miriam is so moved. She breaks out the tambourine. She would have been a great upper roomer. Who has that? Oh my gosh. My girl, a modern day Miriam right here. <laughs> so all of a sudden Moses is singing and the Israelites hear this noise. And guess what? It says this. It says Miriam the prophet and Aaron's sisters took the timbrel in her hand and the women went out after her with trim timbrels and dancing. So what's happening in Numbers chapter 15? Revival. Why? Because they've been delivered. Because they've been set free. 
because their enemies have been destroyed. Maybe one of the purest, holiest, most significant worship moments in the Bible to date of the writing of the scriptures, Numbers chapter 15. This is a pinnacle, like high moment in the scriptures. But here's the story I wanna highlight. It's verse 22 of Numbers chapter 15. Exodus, sorry. I am, what is Numbers 15? I gotta get there. Let's just go there. Chorababa. <laughs> yeah, that's not as interesting as this. Okay, <laughs> Exodus 15, Exodus 15, 22. You know where we're at. If I say something different, just say he meant Exodus. Exodus 15, 22. Then, everyone say then. 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 Then, then it's connecting it to the story before. Then. What just took place? Massive revival, song, dancing. Then, Moses. The deliverer led Israel from the Red Sea where they were delivered and they went out into the wilderness of Shar. This, the, the wording here is Shar means wall. So it's a, it's a walled wilderness. And they went three days in the wilderness and they found no water. Now, that's something you need in the wilderness. It's something you need in the desert. Water. And so they came to a place called Marah. But they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. There's our topic. They tasted the waters. That's how they knew they were bitter but they knew they couldn't drink the waters because they were bitter. I think it's interesting that the first narrative after being delivered from their past is a story about, le- about being led to the waters of bitterness. Why? Because I think it was all the Israelites knew was the taste of bitterness from what they had been through. Listen, they had been in captivity for 400 plus years. We can read in Exodus chapter one, verse 15. Throw that up there, Exodus 1, 15, uh, 14. Exodus 1, 14. Now look at this. The Egyptians made their lives what? Made their lives what? Made their lives what? Bitter. Their lives were bitter. Why? Because of the hard labor that they had to do. In fact, the next chapter, their lives were so bitter that Moses saw an Egyptian mistreating an Israelite and the bitterness inside of his heart, which bitter, the bitter root is anger. And Moses gets so angry that he murders an Egyptian and he buries him. He thinks no one sees it. He killed him in secret. And the next day, two Egyptians go, are you gonna kill us like you killed our friend? And Moses flees into exile. What do you think God was dealing with inside of Moses for 40 plus years? Listen, their lives were embittered. The story itself, it it is a story of a people that were enslaved, they were abused, they were victimized, They were mistreated, and it was because of a system. 
So we can be embittered towards people and we can be embittered towards systems. I meet a lot of people as a pastor that are embittered towards systems, specifically in, situa- in environments like ours because we are a draw and we're a draw for a lot of people that are done with religion. And I get you're done with religion, but you've been wounded by religion. And you can be done with religion if you're led by the Holy Spirit, but if you're done with religion because it hurt you, then you ain't done with religion. And guess what? This place that's so free and awesome that you love that isn't like them, we gonna be religious too. And the truth is, is that religion isn't in here, it's actually in you. Because you're angry at them for what they did, but that anger has set inside of you, and now you're projecting onto everyone else what you drank over there. So what do you do? I'm going to start a YouTube channel and a blog. What do you do? I'm going to start a TikTok account and an Instagram account telling the church how they should be. And it looks pretty, and it's got a lot of makeup on, but it's the pig of bitterness. It's the pig of being angry. It's the pig of I am trying to justify myself and I've taken things into my own hands. And ultimately what you're saying is I don't trust the Lord. So you can be angry at systems. You can be angry at a person. You can be angry at a position. You can be angry at a political party. You can be angry at a lot. And the nation of Israel was angry. And they were bitter because of what they had been through. You know who I think they were really bitter at? We've heard about the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Ain't heard of the God of Moses. Heard of the 12 tribes. Well, that was 400 years ago. You know, my granddad, my dad, They all died at the hands of Egyptians. They had a narrative in their head. And there was a bitter root inside of them. So what does the Lord do? He leads them to the taste that was in their mouth. Why? Because listen, I've removed those that have caused the pain. I've delivered you from those that were causing the pain. But now we're going to deal with the, the pain itself. Now we're going to deal with the consequences of the pain inside of your heart. We celebrate the deliverance, but God is not going to manifest himself in this story as deliverer. Look, there's a description that he's going to manifest himself with, and it is beautiful because it's the first time he manifests himself this way in the text. So we love the word, don't we? Thank you. Verse 23. So they came to Marah. The waters were bitter. So what do the people do? Here's another sign of bitterness. They grumble. Grumbling, complaining is the fruit of an embittered heart. What shall we drink, Moses? So Moses cries out to the Lord. And he makes the bitter water sweet. We're going to look at verse 25 in just a second. 
But it was in this place that he was testing them. Everyone say testing them. Now, what is the test? The test, the test wasn't about them doing something. The test was about them listening to someone. There's scriptures that you're familiar with in the New Testament that refer to this story. It's Hebrews chapter three. Hebrews chapter three says this. This is so good. Hebrews chapter three. It's not even in my notes. Hebrews three, I think it's verse five. Can you go there? Oh, no, 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 be right. Now, Moses was faithful. Who are we talking about today? Moses. Faithful in his house. Go to the next one. But Christ was faithful as a son. Go to the next one. Look at this. This is speaking of the, the narrative that we're in in Numbers 15. Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, everyone say that word. Today. If you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as when they provoked me as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your forefathers tried me, keep going, they saw my work for 40 years. But this is the first day that they're going to, they saw the work of Egypt and deliverance. But this is a work that God wants to do in them. All right? So do you see this? Today, don't harden your heart. And my prayer, fervent prayer for people in this room is this is your today. That you will hear the voice of the Lord. Go back to Numbers 15. Numbers 15. Numbers 15. Exodus, gosh, Exodus 15, verse 26. I'm preaching Numbers 15 next week. I don't care what's in it. I'm gonna figure it out. Exodus 15, 26. Exodus 15, 26. Watch this. Please don't miss this. And so then the Lord said to them, the Lord, the Lord changes the bitter water sweet, and look what he does. If you will earnestly heed the voice. Everyone say the voice. If you heed the voice, the voice, the voice, the voice, the voice, the voice, do what is right in his sight. Give ear, ear, ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. And here's the revelation. He's not showing up as deliverer. He's revealed himself as deliverer. Look at who he's showing up as. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am your healer. Now, oftentimes we think of healing as like physical healing. And he's saying, I, I will protect you physically, but this is not about physical healing. This is about heart healing. This is about the healing of embittered, an embittered life. It's about him healing an embittered life. He wants to heal them from the pain of their past. Listen, they were wronged. Listen, what happened to them was wrong. The pain was real. The pain and the blame are on the Egyptians. The pain and the blame, you can attempt to project that upon him, but God is saying, listen to me. I see your pain. I see your blame. I see your hurt, but I am gonna make the bitter things sweet because I'm your healer. That which you were wronged in, I am going to be your source and sustenance and you are gonna know me as healer because I'm gonna do what only I can. I'm gonna take that which was hard, bitter, wrong, and I'm gonna bring a sweetness to it because you're gonna know me as not only your deliverer, but as your healer. So how does he turn the bitter waters into something sweet. Well, I skipped over the verse, but it's in verse 
28. And it's, it's a short detail, but man, the ramifications are significant. Look in verse 25. I cannot see, I cannot do numbers today. But I can preach. Uh, Exodus 15, verse 25. I'm going to have to start preaching with readers, I think. Jehovah Rapha. All right. Verse 25. Look at this. Check this out. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. And look at what the Lord does. The Lord wills this. This is the Father willing something. The Father wills by revealing to Moses a tree. And so Moses picks up the tree and he threw it into the waters and the waters became sweet. Now, come on. Moses, Moses could have dipped his toe into the waters. He could have dipped his finger in the water. He could have taken a reed, but there's a tree. I don't know if it's a big tree or small tree, but I know trees typically rooted pretty deep, so he probably had to cut that thing down. He picks it up, and he chunks it in the water. What is it prophetic of? Well, it's prophetic of God the Father willed God the Son, which is Moses in this case, a deliverer, taking a tree. And the tree represents the tree of Calvary. This is a picture. It's pointing to anything that hangs on a tree is considered a curse. So what I started to do is I was like, well, Lord, if this is the cross, and I know the cross is the power of salvation, it's the work of salvation. And I've been teaching you a lot recently, Peter has, my wife has, others have about communion and how thorough the work of salvation was. It was thorough. We talk about the blood in Gethsemane, redeeming the will. We talk about the different ways the blood came out of Jesus, that not a drop of blood was insignificant. It all had a redemptive purpose, and everything in the storyline does. Everything mentioned does. So I said, Lord, if your work is so thorough, is bitterness included in that? Do you know that I found it? Matthew 27, verse 33. It says, when they had come to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. So they came to this place to crucify Jesus. This is the crucifixion. Do you know what they gave him? They gave him a drink. It was a solution of stuff. It had wine, but they put uh, bile in it. They think it was the bile from a liver, but... It was very, very bitter. This is called the bitter gall. So this wine was bitter. And look at this. When they came to the place of Golgotha, look, verse 34. They gave him the drink, the wine to drink mixed with gall. Now, let, let me tell you why they were giving him this. They were giving him this because it was, it was considered uh, uh, like anesthesia of sorts. It was to stupefy 
one that was about to go through a crucifixion. It was actually an act of mercy so that they would inoculate them a little bit to be under the sedation of the guile or the bitterness that was the, 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 the thing that was bitter in the wine. So, but Jesus... Jesus refused it because he wanted, I think it's a couple of reasons. One, I think he wanted to fully and thoroughly be present as our Savior and Lord. Because later on in this text, he actually drinks some of the wine. It didn't have the gall in it, though. They offer him some sweet wine, and he actually drinks it. And many think he drank it there because it would have awakened him a little bit. It would have been sweet and refreshed him to thoroughly endure what he was going through. Are you following me? But, but this, in, in, in light of what we're talking about this morning, in, in regards to bitterness, you need to see that this drink was, was mixed with bitter gall. So here's what Jesus does. And this is how thorough the work of salvation is, is that he tasted the bitterness. But look, he wasn't willing to drink it. I'll let you think about that. He tasted the bitterness. The bitterness that all of us have tasted, but he chose not to come underneath the power of it. He spit it out. He chose not to digest it. He chose not to consume it. He had every right to. And you know the beauty of this is right after this, look, the next verse in Matthew 27, it says they divided up the garments. Now, if you plug in Luke's gospel where he says they uh, were, were, were dividing up the garments, the next verse, it's not Matthew's verse, but the next verse in Luke's verse depicting this is he utters these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. <laughs> to the bitterness Father, not even is it I forgive them. He's pleading to the Father to forgive them. He intercedes on their behalf. Who's he interceding for? Those inflicting the pain right there. Those that had just put nails in his hands. Those that were to blame for the pain that he's going through in the midst of it. Forgive. What does forgive me? It means let him off the hook. Lord, I'm sending this away. I'm not holding it against him. What a savior. How's he doing this? He's doing this as the lamb of God. This is the lamb, the blood that's pouring off the one, declaring, Father, forgive them. That blood is the very blood that removes the sin. From the world, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In the midst of him bleeding, it was as if he could not wait to utter those words in his pain. He knew what he was doing. He knew why he was doing it. It was to offer forgiveness. To who? To you. To me. To those that were not There's no way, reason, rhyme, we should be forgiven. We were enemies. And yet while we were enemies, he died for us and he chose not to be embittered. Lord, I lived a perfect life. 
Lord, I, I did everything you told me to do and look at me hanging on the cross. That's not what came out of him. It came out of him, love embodied. Forgive them, oh, that we would know the depths of this love. Because to know the depths of this love is to become it. And to become it means what you've received from him, you can actually give to others. And the Lord will uproot that anger, uproot that thing that's been consuming you. Why? Because he's Jehovah Rapha. He's your healer. In this morning with Paul's writing, I'm so tender, I feel the presence of the Lord. In Ephesians 4, 26, you can throw that up. It says, this is the text, be angry, yet do not sin. Don't let the sound go down on your anger. And then again, he talks about demonic oppression through harbored anger. If you have harbored anger, you have the, a demon's foot in your heart. I didn't say it, Paul did. What's a demon's foot in your heart gonna do? It's gonna have a leverage over your heart, over your soul. So go to verse 30. This is the most famous text in here. He, he exhorts them a little bit, and I'm not gonna get into the exhortation, the two verses, but in verse 30. This is a really famous chapter, uh, uh, verse. Do not grieve whom? The Holy Spirit of God. That word for grieve is actually vexed. It, it could be translated tormented. That the Holy Spirit is sensitive to you. The Holy Spirit is sensitive to your heart. And he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. But look, look at the first thing mentioned after he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Let all say it. Why would that be mentioned right after don't grieve the Holy Spirit? I think it's because the Holy Spirit's work is to uproot anger and bitterness in a heart. But you choosing bitterness is you grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, he's going to give the fruits of bitterness, which is wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice. And then verse 32 is the verse. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. But Michael, I, I, you don't know what they did. You don't know what he did. You're looking at the wrong thing. Repentance, listen, repentance, Acts 26 defines repentance. It says, repent, turn to God. The only way you can forgive is if you're looking at the one who forgave you. And it's you trusting him more than you trusting yourself to rightfully and thoroughly deal with what's happened to you. Another scripture, not grieve the Holy Spirit, not grieve the Holy Spirit, let all bitterness. Another work of the Holy Spirit is in John 20, verse 21. Do John 20, verse 21. 
This is after Jesus manifests. Go to, go to the verse before that. Look at this. Jesus shows them his hands, his sides, his feet. They saw the Lord. Look at this. He says, peace. Go to the next one now. Peace be with you. And then what does he do? Verse 22. Look at this. This is amazing. And he said to them, uh, as he said this to them, he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. Receive the what? The Holy Spirit. So here for the first time, I believe this is when the disciples got born again. They got born again right here. He breathes the Holy Spirit, the one that they're not to grieve, let all bitterness go. He breathes into them the Holy Spirit. Look at the next verse. If you forgive. It was as if Jesus was waiting to tell them, now that you've received the helper in your heart, you can actually give what you've received, forgiveness. And if you forgive sins, their sins will be forgiven. If you retain sins, they'll be retained. I think he's talking about being ministers of reconciliation Bringing men to their God, to their Father. Bringing sons and daughters home. It's the ministry of forgiveness. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. Can someone hop up on the piano? And I want to repeat the phrase that I began with. Why not now? Why not today? And as it says in Hebrews chapter three, that today if you hear his voice, will you not harden your heart? And next week we'll walk through the practicals of forgiveness, but here's what I want you to know is that we're not excusing what's happened. We're not ignoring it. We're actually acknowledging the pain and we're acknowledging the blame. You don't have to sugarcoat that. You can put the blame and the pain on a person. Some of you, you've put it on the Lord. And you just need to be honest with the Lord right now. And, and in that honesty, what you're gonna sense is the Holy Spirit giving you peace. And as he gives you peace, you can surrender it to him. And it's a form of trust that, Lord, this is better in your hands than it is in mine. Romans chapter 12 says, vengeance is mine. The Lord will make things right. The Lord is a just God, no matter what's happened to you, but it's you entrusting the situation, circumstance, and person to the Lord. And so I just want you to close your eyes. And I'm gonna pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come into this room. And with the sword of your spirit, like a surgical knife, Lord, like a surgeon, would you examine our hearts? Is there any root of bitterness? Is there any hint of bitterness in our hearts towards someone, towards you, or towards someone? Would you search me? Would you know me? Lord, if in a day of anger, out of fear, out of pain, out of hurt. I took things into my own hands. Lord, this morning I want to open up my hands by surrendering my heart and giving you that person, giving you that situation. And as I'm a human, so are they. As I'm broken, so are they. And as you treated me, Lord, I am asking for your grace that I don't wanna fall short of, I'm asking that your grace would touch my life by allowing me to let them go, 
by allowing me to forgive. It might have been decades of pain, but Lord, I am entrusting even my pain to you. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you produce the fruit of love in my heart through forgiveness? As you uttered, Father, forgive them as nails were inside of your hands. God, may we share in your suffering by enduring even the pain that someone caused. You know, forgiveness, forgiveness is voluntarily suffering for what someone did to you. It doesn't remove the pain instantly. It says, you know what? I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna let them off the hook and, and I'm actually going to endure pain. It was painful. It doesn't erase the pain, but it actually brings purpose to the pain because he's gonna share in this with you and you're gonna know him as healer because the pain doesn't last forever. And so in Jesus' name, I pray for the Holy Spirit to give you the power to let go and to forgive. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come up. And if you, if you, if you specifically forgave someone, if there's an issue in your heart, if there was bitterness in your heart and you're like, man, I, I needed this, this, this thing, this poison, it's in me because of what I've been through. I just want you to stand to your feet. I want you to physically respond by standing up. And I'm gonna ask you to do two things if you stand up. One, I'm just gonna ask you to, to lift your hands in the form of surrender and say, Lord, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving it to you this morning. I'm letting it go. I'm letting that that leader, that parent, my spouse, I'm letting it go this morning and I'm surrendering it to you. Today, I'm hearing your voice. Today, I'm responding to your voice. No matter how painful it is, Jehovah Rapha's here. You're surrendering to Jehovah Rapha. You're surrendering to one who can heal your heart. You're surrendering to one that can do what you cannot. You're surrendering to one who will make bitter water sweet. He will make this taste go away, the taste of what that relationship has meant. When you see that person, you'll know the Lord's a healer because it will no longer be bitter. Doesn't mean you have to be best friends. Doesn't mean you have to re-entrust yourself to them, but it does mean you're entrusting yourself to the one that can heal your heart. This is not about reconciliation. This is about healing. This is about freedom. This is about letting them go. And today we say, bon voyage, we're letting them go. We're sending them away. That's what forgiveness means. It means to send away. I'm not gonna harbor it anymore. I'm not gonna handle it. Why? Because the blood speaks a better word. Whose blood? The blood of Jesus. What's it saying? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We all need you, Jesus. Those that have wronged us, those that have hurt us, we all need a savior, and we all need a healer. And boy, am I grateful that we have one, and his name is Jesus Christ, King of kings, Lord of lords. Jehovah Rapha is here.